This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on Insurance. I'm an attorney who has retired from the practice of law and now spend my time as an insurance claims consultant and expert witness, an author and producer of these videos. Today I'd like to talk about the discoverability of insurance claims files. Many files are discoverable or capable of being discovered in any litigation. Therefore, before writing any comment in a claim file, the adjuster or investigator should consider that each comment written will be directed to the ladies and gentlemen of the jury. If the adjuster is not ready to read the comment aloud to a jury, it should not be written in the file. One way to prevent production of claims file materials is to use the attorney work product protection, where if there is an anticipation of litigation, a court may be able to order the file to be protected from the view of the opposing side. If an insurance investigation is done in anticipation of litigation, then that investigation file will be protected from discovery by the opposing party. However, if the opposing party can demonstrate that it has a substantial need for the information and is unable to obtain the information by other means, it can be discovered. There is no absolute protection. If the investigation has begun without any anticipation of litigation, and it subsequently becomes apparent to the investigator that the litigation may result, the documents prepared by that investigator from the start of the investigation to the point where it becomes apparent litigation may result are discoverable by the opposing party. The important question to determine discoverability is whether something in the claim file was prepared in anticipation of litigation. The protection is often called the attorney work product privilege, although it is not technically a privilege, but a protection available to the lawyer to keep his or her work from the hands of the opponent. It can generally be stated that litigation is anticipated at the point that litigation becomes fairly foreseeable. In determining when litigation became anticipated or fairly foreseeable, the adjuster and the investigator and their lawyer should consider the following. 1. Has the injured party conducted an investigation of the matter? 2. Has the injured party hired an attorney to represent him or her, although the hiring of an attorney in and of itself does not mandate a finding that litigation is anticipated? 3. Has the injured party hired other investigative personnel? 4. Has the prospective defendant initiated an out-of-the-ordinary investigation of the incident? 
5. Does it appear that an investigation was undertaken for no other purpose than in anticipation of litigation? 6. Is the prospective defendant, like a governmental agency, legally obligated to undertake an immediate investigation? 7. Are the location, instrumentalities, or persons involved in or with the incident within the exclusive control of the prospective defendant? 8. Has the injured party asserted a claim for damages? And 9. Has the insurance company consulted with or retained an attorney? The adjuster and investigator should also consider the credibility and consistency of the persons or documents supporting the factors already named, the severity of the injuries, and the and whether there are any strange or abnormal circumstances surrounding the incident. A conclusion by an investigator to the effect that I've been in the business for 10 years and these cases always result in suits is not sufficient. The work product protection largely depends on how well the insurance company can document thoughts or ideas its representatives may have had during the investigation that anticipated litigation. The burden of proving anticipation of litigation is always on the insurance company if it is seeking the work product protection. If the insurer believes litigation is imminent, that should be indicated in the claim file at the earliest possible stage. However, until litigation can be legitimately anticipated, no comment regarding anticipation of litigation or the lack thereof should be made in the claims file. This absence of comments regarding litigation will give the attorney a chance to go back as far as possible to draw the anticipation of litigation line. As far as this point goes, when something is done is more important than what was actually done. Insurers should consider the fact that one defense to a claim of the tort of bad faith, the advice of counsel, can be an effective defense to the tort. If that defense is raised, it will result in a waiver of the attorney-client privilege. The lawyer who advised the insurer should, therefore, never be the lawyer who defends a bad-faith lawsuit, since that lawyer will become an essential witness in the trial of the bad-faith lawsuit, explaining to the court and jury the reasons for his advice and counsel. Regardless of the rules and precedent, the prudent adjuster will always write notes in his or her file that he or she is confident will be read out loud to the ladies and gentlemen of the jury and that the ladies and gentlemen of the jury will find nothing unusual or untoward about the statements made in the file. With that in mind, no note will be embarrassing to the insurer or the adjuster, nor will the note be used as evidence of the tort of bad faith. It is essential 
that there is nothing in a claims file that is untruthful. No adjuster would want to find him or herself in front of a jury and have to admit that he or she lied to the insured about a claim. Every claim bears a duty of good faith and fair dealing that requires that an insurer conduct a thorough investigation of the claim and that that thorough investigation be noted clearly in the claims file. Before making a decision on defense or indemnity issues, the thorough investigation of the insurer must establish what is alleged in the claim or lawsuit, whether there are any facts outside the allegations of the complaint that indicate a potentiality for coverage, whether the insured has been given the opportunity to explain any factual issue that might cause him or her to lose the right to defense or indemnity, whether every factual possibility of coverage has been determined, whether there was an insurance policy in effect and who was insured by the policy, a verification of the truth of the facts represented in the application for insurance, and verification that all conditions and warranties of the policy have been fulfilled by the insured. The duty to defend is not limited to hiring a lawyer to enter an appearance on behalf of an insured and litigating a suit seeking damages. The duty to defend includes the investigation and collection of evidence to be used in a defense if a claim is made before a suit is filed. The insurer is obligated to conduct a thorough investigation in preparation for the suit and, if done quickly and thoroughly, can result in a settlement before suit is filed against the insured. In most states, an insurer is required to go beyond the face of a complaint and instruct its insurer to perform a thorough, independent investigation to determine if other facts exist that may give rise to a potential duty to indemnify. This means that even if the complaint alleges that the insured planned for weeks to kill the plaintiff, purchased a weapon for the express purpose of using it to kill the plaintiff, hid in the bushes out the plaintiff's house, lay in wait for him to arrive, and then pumped six bullets into his body, causing him grave bodily injury, an insurer may not be able to refuse to defend its insured on the intentional act exclusion without first conducting a thorough investigation. The investigation could show that the allegations of the complaint are totally false and fraudulent. Perhaps the insured was not even in the city at the time of the shooting or was free from fault or on another basis. The adjuster should always give the insured the opportunity to explain how the allegations of the complaint are false 
and why he or she is entitled to a defense. The investigation should reflect the adjuster's special knowledge of the law of insurance and torts. The adjuster can question the insured in a way that will elicit facts sufficient to provide coverage. This is the essence of the covenant of good faith and fair dealing, conducting an investigation to develop facts that may be against the pecuniary interest of the insurer, but would be in the best interest of the insured. The insurer expresses good faith by investigating a loss with an intent to find some means by which coverage, at least for defense, is available to the insured. The adjuster is not employed to find ways to refuse defense or indemnity. The adjuster is employed to fulfill the promises made by the policy. If a thorough investigation reveals facts contrary to the allegations of the complaint filed against the insured, the adjuster will recommend defense, and his investigation results will be clearly indicated in his claims file, and if there is any accusation of wrongful conduct on the part of the insurer, the claims file will reflect the absolute good faith by the thorough investigation conducted by the insurer's adjuster. If the adjuster finds after a thorough investigation, however, that there is no potential of coverage, he or she must recommend denial of defense and indemnity and document his claim or her claim file in such a way that the information and the reasons for the recommendation are obvious, and even when that file is discovered in a later litigation, it will show the good faith and fair dealing of the insurer. When a decision is made to refuse defense or indemnity, the adjuster must be convinced that he or she, on behalf of the insurer, has thoroughly investigated the foundation of its denial. A less than thorough investigation may cause the insurer to refuse defense in error and will expose it to claims for extra-contractual damages from its insured. It is reasonable to assume that an insurance company has a duty to investigate claims of insurance coverage in a reasonable manner. A finding that an insured had a reasonable basis to deny a claim constitutes a finding that the insurer reasonably investigated the claim. This video was adapted from my book, Zalma on Insurance Claims, Part 105, Second Edition, and is available as both a Kindle book and a paperback from Amazon.com. If you found this video to be of interest or useful to you, please convey it to your colleagues. It's free. And please subscribe to my Rumble channel, my YouTube channel, and my blog so that you can be advised promptly of new blog posts and videos. Thank you for your attention.